0: Well, hello, everyone. I'm Reverend Carla and welcome to Spirituality Matters. And now I invite you to settle in into that sacred space between here where I am and there we are. And let us be reminded that the holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together here is just as meaningful and sacred as if we were sitting beside one another. OK, so let's get started. Now, this is my off week, if you will, when I don't write a blog. And the reason why I really look forward to this time is because it gives me a chance to expand on some of the questions that you ask in our direct messages and our emails and during our live streams that we have on uh, the different social media platforms. And I also want to say to all of you, thank you for your patience right now. There are hundreds, if not thousands of messages in our inboxes, and we are doing our best to get to them. So I appreciate your patience. We uh, have certainly been grateful for this phenomenal growth that we have had, but we also know that there's only so much we can do. So we are doing our best. So this gives us an opportunity to uh, provide another way for us to be able to answer your questions. So with that, let's get started and let's see how far I get into this today. All right. So I've queued up a couple of questions here, but one that keeps showing up, um, I would say several times a week is the question about tithing. T-I-T-H-I-N-G. So in case that's not coming clear on the, on the microphone. So the concept of tithing, which is the amount, a percentage of your income that you would donate back to the church. This is a tradition that came through the Hebrew custom of tithing a 10th, or maybe some, some scholars think that think that it actually went up to sometimes 20% of not just your income, but of your, of your uh, holdings, whether that's food and grain or livestock or different things like that. So it depends on a generational requirements, if you will, and what was happening during the time and what the people who are in control were requiring of you. So, but it came down when it's finally watered down into the custom of the church, you will still hear in modern day, people talk about uh, tithing to the church where it has been known to be understood to be a 10th of your income of your gross income. And I've heard that explained a couple of times as well. What's coming to mind for me. One time I went to a fundraiser for a certain, certain Christian nonprofit, and they were at the time that they were getting ready to ask for donations. They made it very clear that the donation that you were making to this nonprofit, which was a Christian based nonprofit was different than the donation that you make to your church. So in other words, your church should not suffer because you're giving money to this organization. And they gave it different names that I hadn't heard of, like different levels of of tithing. It was incredibly, um, I, I felt, uh, well, I was sitting there offended. I'm not sure I was the only one because I had never heard of these different kinds of requirements that, that had layers of tithing. But by that time, I also was spiraling out of church. So for me to sit here and listen to some young woman who was just basically regurgitating what someone else had told her about the uh, different levels or requirements of tithing, uh, tithing, I thought it, it, it was very comical. One of the letters that I received from people regarding this question was from a young couple who said that they too were considering leaving church in their final reason that they decided to leave was when their pastor told them that he noticed that their giving had decreased. And when they said that they had started giving to a couple of nonprofits in town that were near and dear to their hearts, specifically helping people who were experiencing homeless people who were suffering from addiction disease, and possibly even, I think if I remember correctly, it was also an animal welfare, which of course, yay raw, I agree with that. The the preacher, uh, their pastor chastised them and told them that they were sinning because that money was not counting for their rewards in heaven because they were no longer giving it to the church. They felt um, manipulated and deceived and threatened as well as they should, and they left, but As it happens a lot of times with people, once you leave, you are still deconstructing some of that belief system. So this, this, the person who reached out to me was saying, you know, every once in a while, I still feel guilty because I'm not giving to a church, but I feel like I am actually contributing to the good of a whole good of the whole, are we wrong? So I did talk to her about this concept of tithing and how it really was what we, what Christians will call an old Testament scripture uh, mandate. So we both we all we know that the Bible is broken down between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is actually a very the, the, that label is derogatory to, to people who practice the Jewish faith because that what's considered like no longer relevant is actually very a part of the scripture that's very active in their faith so how they interpret that those scriptures is certainly up to them and their faith but however under the covenant of what we call the new testament which is the christian faith at the time of jesus's ministry then everything else changes so how do you interpret a mandate from the from the old testament and place it on a christian in the new testament it's 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 almost hypocritical because there is nothing in the New Testament, that talks about tithing, people will say, "Well, Jesus talked would would have honored it because he was Jewish. Of course, he would have. That was his faith." But he never once talked about people practicing tithing as part of what any kind of ministry that he was bringing to the people. He was simply he was simply honoring what was responsible, what he saw as his responsibility for his beliefs. One time I said in church and I listened to a minister talk about the blessings of tithing by using a f- scripture from the book of Micah. Now, Micah is in the Old Testament, and they were saying that your blessings will overflow just as they are talking about in the book of Micah. If you, when that offering plate comes around, you contribute to the overflow of the offering plates. That is another form of manipulation. That is prosperity gospel. And that minister was trying to convince the congregants that by putting your offering, putting your money in the offering plate, you would be blessed so over abundantly that your blessings would, would flow up and overflow your bucket of blessings. I don't believe that. I think that's manipulation. That's prosperity gospel. And I, even though I do believe good can come from the things we do in this world, it is not specifically tied to just you giving to the church. There is absolutely no scripture that says that you have to give a percentage or that all of your donations have to go just to the church. I do believe that as you donate your, your funds, And you donate to the causes, the causes that you believe in, whether they're nonprofits or they're for profits, whatever you do with your money is, is important to your values, to the people in your household that make the decision about the money and how you use it. So. Uh, one more story here, and then we'll close this information about tithing. I remember one time my grandmother, towards the end of her life, um, she called me and asked me for my brother's address. At that time, he was um, he was away in another country, but she wanted to send him money, which I thought was interesting because my grandmother was not a rich person by any stretch of the imagination. She li- she relied financially on several members of my family, including my husband and myself, and so I found this really interesting, and she said um, that she had been listening to Oral Roberts, and any of you who are have any experience with evangelical Christianity will know that name, but Oral Roberts had just said that if people will contribute to his campaign to help family members who are traveling abroad it was that nebulous like who whose family and where that they if they sent their money in that they they would bless the money and those people would receive that money back tenfold and she didn't believe that nonsense anymore but she has but she still almost sent what little she had to oral roberts and instead she thought wait a minute i have a grandson who's living overseas i'm going to send him the money Now, by this time, you could start to see the following, falling away, even though my grandmother was very much a Southern Baptist and I would never say she wasn't anything else. We had had a lot of conversations by this point because I had already uh, left evangelical Christianity. I was still in the Christian church. um, I think at that time, probably a Presbyterian and she and I had conversations about it and she would listen and she respected my journey. The fact that I was an ordained elder at that time and she wanted to learn from me. She She was open. She was moving away from this staunch belief system that only one denomination was right. And I thought that was really interesting that she took it upon herself to pull herself away from that prosperity gospel mantra or theology and say, I don't believe that and I'm not going to give you my money. I certainly wish more people would do that because they would understand that this concept of tithing is a manipulative concept portion of prosperity gospel that is not in scripture. And you should feel free to use your money as you see fit. And if it is to support your spiritual community, because you want to see it thrive, then do so, but not because you're feeling manipulated or guilted into giving any money. That is my, my, uh, take on tithing. I told you I had some, some big, uh, conversations here. All right, I want to touch on this one, even though it does seem like I I touch a lot on why being gay is not a sin. And honestly, there are times where it feels exhaustive. But I also have been humbled because there was part of me because I when I when I spiraled away from Christianity, I after I had spent my time in the spiritual wilderness and I started to be surrounded by people with like minds and hearts who were very uh, affirming of the LGBTQIA community and understanding that they are not a mistake and they are not a sin and they're divinely and wonderfully made, that I forgot how much religious trauma is caused by people who believe that the LGBTQIA community is an abomination and they are not. That word is mistranslated and I, we're not going to have time to get into that today, but we're going to stick on a specific thing. So I'm recording this just a few days before we hold our very first free masterclass called God is Gay. The really good thing is that within less than a week after announcing that registration was open, we have filled that class and we have started a waiting room. This is something that people want to talk about. And yes, did we get pushback on the name? Yes, we did. Did we expect that pushback? Yes, we did. Did it concern us to the point where we considered changing the name? No, we didn't. But someone wrote and asked me this. I'm having trouble with the term God is gay. I never thought of God having uh, a a gender or sexuality. Can you talk a little bit more about this, please? And sure, I will. Because I agree with this person. God is genderless. If anything, God is non-binary. But the reason I chose that Phrase for this masterclass is because it's a disruptor statement. You're going to know what a disruptor statement is when you hear things like Black Lives Matter, defund the police. Now, if you're in a mindset where you immediately want to get defensive, you're going to think of everything that's wrong with that statement. But if you're in the mindset where you know that something within the system is broken, and you want to see something fixed, then you understand that there is value behind pausing and listening because you have something to learn. That is the same concept behind God is gay. I don't think God is gay, but if, I'm, if I don't believe that God is only the, the God that I knew from a patriarchal Misogynistic, fear based system doesn't exist. Then I want to move the conversation as far away from that as I can and take it to the opposite end of the spectrum by saying, No, God is gay. Because somewhere in the middle is a divine, mystical, holy, sacred being, being, B E I N G, that is nameless. But is universal love. And that mystical, divine, universal love is as far away from this patriarchal, fear based belief system and as far away from God is gay. But it shifts the conversation away from just expecting this to be something about patriarchy or a patriarchal belief so you can be prepared throughout as we be, as we start to announce all of our classes and workshops and in our books and everything that we're offering we're going to shake things up because we're not here to change anybody's mind but the people who follow us that are growing, our numbers are growing every day in this spiritual community that we're creating want to be disrupted because something about their spiritual heritage, their religious history, they're, they're recovering from religious trauma, they're navigating through a spiritual the spiritual wilderness, they're trying to find their, their spiritual but not religious path. It's time to be, that's how you start. You start to get, you start to change the conversation when you disrupt the mindset from these old things that kind of hold you captive. So no, on any level, do I believe that God is gay, but I also can't disprove that. Because if we can believe that God is this gray haired man that sits in the sky and points his finger and zaps things for you so that you can have a parking space or your family is is somehow protected while another family's child gets cancer, then that same God can be gay. Because if you say that God loves everyone, then everyone is part of the LGBTQIA community. Everyone sits outside of these realms, outside your church belief. So from that, just based on that perspective alone, God is indeed gay. And so like I said, be prepared for more of that disruptive language. I am so excited about this first class. And I know that we will be offering again, just based on this response at the beginning. I'm so, so excited about it. All right, let's move on to another question. Let's see here. Oh, here's a here's a good one. Let's talk. Let's talk about something that I say at the end. Uh, I think we've got time for two more questions. Let's talk about something that I say at the end of this, this, my podcast series. Someone's asking, what do you mean when you say the preacher preaches what she needs to hear? That's not exactly what I say. I say the teacher teaches what she needs to hear, but I it basically is the same thing since I'm since I'm an ordained minister. But One of the most compelling lessons from seminary was the fact that we should not try to be anyone's guru. And certainly this walk of uh, individual spirituality and practical spirituality and finding your spiritual but not religious path is about about listening to your soul and, and working on this inner soul work. And from there, moving into your life. So, okay, check that. I think I've done that okay. But on the first weekend of seminary, the founder of our seminary said, was talking to us about making sure that we're not doing this to be a guru. And she said, remember that you will teach what you need to hear. And as long as you keep that in mind, you will never be at a place where you are moving into ego. And that stuck with me. It actually gave me comfort because then I knew that I would, I could, I could hold to this and walk as close as I can in humility. I feel like humility is something that I can't say I have. I can only try to exemplify my life in that way in hopes that other people see that in me. But I, I attempt to do that in the way I teach and the way I bring this ministry, offer this ministry to you. And I certainly see that in those who are coming along in the Numa Soul Center for Spiritual Transformation and all these wonderful teachers and healers and wisdom keepers that we'll be announcing over the next couple of months. And so I listen to these words and I always take a moment after any kind of time where I'm in a teaching experience, whether it's this podcast or I go into a live or answering questions and I consider what about what I just spoke about has relevance for my life. So I take the time to make sure that I am listening to that because if we start, and this is for all of us who think we know better than anybody else what's right for their lives. If you listen to your own advice that you're giving someone else, nine times out of 10, it is something that you need to hear. Sometimes it's very easy for those of us who are caretakers or caregivers or we're the people that everybody comes to for, you know, you ought to do this. Sometimes we use that as a deflection to stay away from the things in our lives that are broken. And if we start to listen to those words and have them come back into us and see that they have wisdom and healing elements for our own lives, then we too have turned that experience into a sacred practice. So I encourage you to think about if that's your gift to be one of those wisdom keepers that you also see how you, those words have relevance and meaning for the healing that you need to do in your own life. All right. One more question here. We get this so often. How do you handle toxic family? This has so many layers. And I remember, I always try to answer these questions in a very general way, because first and foremost, I want to understand, I want you to help, I want to help you understand why are you wanting to try to repair any kind of relationship with your family? Because sometimes we're seeking healing or we're seeking restoration for the wrong reasons. It's because we are missing the affirmation. We're missing, we are being taken out of our comfort zone. Our family has provided some stability for us in ways that are now wobbling us. So you need to be able to work through some of that to understand what is the desired outcome. Now, I will also tell you that there are times where it's best that you do not spiral back into family relationships. If they are so broken because you are now living authentically or you have created boundaries to create a respectful, safe, and loving uh, place where you can come and be yourself without being suffocated by other, other family members' beliefs or bullied into silence because you don't agree with how they are. If your family can't respect those boundaries, then your situation is so toxic that it is not safe for you. So, at what cost at your well being is it to go back into these families, uh, these family situations? So, we do have a resource guide, and I'm this has we, we have several resource guides that, that are coming, my friends. And I'm very sorry that it has taken us a minute to get some of these done. Everything's kind of spiraling at once. And but we have this wonderful uh, resource guide called How to Have the Tough Conversations. And the first one is all about understanding your why, understanding what your desired outcome is, who exactly in your family are you most is most important to you that you restore relationship and who inside your family would be willing to help you build the bridge because beloved, you cannot build a bridge from only one side. It will not work. Go, go just research how you build a bridge. It's got to come from both sides. And there's all kinds of architectural uh, design and all kinds of engineering calculations and work that go into the preparation of that bridge. And and until those Those beams that hold up the weight of that bridge are measured and put into place. Can you start building that? And it's got to go high enough over those troubled waters that those beams that support the bridge will never be compromised. So those troubled waters are are past experiences where there could be a lot of disappointment, a lot of mistakes that shouldn't ever come up again when you're trying to build that new bridge. So please be looking for that, that um, resource guide that will be coming to numasoul.com very soon. If you are interested in making sure that you get that, please send us an email to info at numasoul.com, info at numasoul.com. Put in the subject line, how to have tough conversations. And then in the, in the body of the email, say that you heard me mention this on the June 13th June 15th podcast, and that you would like to re- receive that for your reference. And we'll be sure to get that to you as soon as we can. All right. I've got one more question, and then we're going to call it a day. Uh, can you be spiritual but not religious and still believe in God and Jesus? Yes. Yes, you can. Because for many of us who who turned away from our evangelical beliefs and are no longer bound to this religious heritage that was basically entrenched in fear-based theology, mm-hmm. there is an opportunity to move into a relationship with Jesus with a new set of eyes and a healed heart. There is a mystical experience of Jesus that is available to you. No one can put fences around Jesus. No one can put fences around God. No religion, no church, no denomination owns the divine experience. That is between you and the divine. That is between you and God. And so I would invite you to consider, because it sounds like you are looking at this, at at your spiritual path and how you can reconnect to this, to this Jesus. I would invite you to look for a book called Resurrecting Jesus, and it's written by Adya Shanti. You can find these book recommendations on numasoul.com under the resource sections. There you will find Rev Carla book recommendations. We do appreciate you using those recommendations because they are affiliate links and they do help us with our ministry. All right, beloveds, I hope that you have enjoyed this time together. I am so honored to be in this space with you. I pray you receive something I know I did because guess what? The teacher teaches what she needs to hear. And now, beloveds, go in peace and be at peace. Go in love and may you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you and you are not alone. You are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved just the way you are. Blessings on your week, and I will see you soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe to Spirituality Matters wherever you listen to podcasts. You can watch the uncut version of today's episode on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe to Rev Carla's channel for more videos. Submit questions for upcoming Q&A videos or topics of discussion to Spirituality Matters at RevCarla.com. As always, follow at Carla on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest for more spirituality teachings. Bye for now!